The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name, in case you were wondering, we were, is Whitney Seibold. Hi, Whitney Seibold. Or as we were saying earlier, Whitney Seibold. Yeah, we don't I'm, always, I'm we don't sure usually if... use our mic checks because we sound like dorks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you were going, like, you said it that way first. I'm not sure if you were going for, like, I'm entering the arena before my wrestling match. And then, you know, I got my stringy, long, blonde hair and my gigantic, greasy pecs out for the world to see. I think I was I was doing it that way, but I was doing it real quietly. Like, we're doing it at the back of a library. We don't want to disturb anybody. <laughs> we're, we're practicing our wrestling calls in the back of a library. Yeah. In the reference section where no one goes. Because <laughs> you can just go online now. We don't need to look at those outdated dictionaries. Did you ever have to use, like, the periodicals, like a, a microfiche or one I, of those back projectors? I never had to use microfiche. Although, um, the UCLA film and television, like, library, they have, like, mm. the actual library of films, but they also have a very extensive library of books about film, and they had a very extensive library of old periodicals, mm. film comments dating back to however far. Yeah, yeah. Peri- uh, Premier Magazine oh. going back to like I, I think every issue, and it nice, was nice. that was great. And I used that a lot for research and stuff, so that was cool. But I don't think I ever actually had to use microfiche. I think I always okay. thought that was made up for movies. Nope, it's a real thing. <laughs> as as someone born way back in the 1970s, uh, I can tell you that microfiche is very real, <laughs> and it's not as not as you might think. Really tiny fish. No, but well, it's F I S C H E, or maybe it's just C H E. It's F I C H E, microfiche. And uh, yeah, you have to speed through. It was uh, newspaper negative, which, you know, was strain your eyes. So basically, to, it, was, it was all black background and white. Black text. with white lettering. Yeah. On, on this little, like, this big rear projector screen that would, like, sort of tower over you as if it was about to topple over. Yeah. And you had to speed through it looking for the articles you want. And if you've ever seen anyone, like, do research to try to catch a serial killer in a movie that, like, predates the year 2000, you've seen microfiche. You've seen microfiche really cool. movies. Yeah. It looks really technically cool. I, I did a report on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, this was, like, 1988. So it was still kind of a novelty. Yeah, it was brand and, and, new, practically. And the original there, NES, yeah. There weren't, like, books on the NES yet. It was just newspapers and, and like, press releases and stuff. No, there wasn't much to it yet. Which was really, really ambitious for me when I was, like, you know, 10 years old. Yeah. So I got to use a lot of microfiche on that report. I remember it very, very well. Yeah, that's, that's... <laughs> it, was a, it was a magical several, several weeks writing that report in the fifth grade. So anyway, welcome back to Microfiche Too Soon, the only podcast that's only about microfiche. Wait, we review film, we review TV series. Yeah, but on microfiche. That are only available on microfiche. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this week we're reviewing a, a show mm-hmm. that is barely available at all. We had to really track it down. In fact, the reason why the episode is, is so late is because we found a copy of this and... And it didn't work 
work on your video player. Yeah, we had to find an older video. We had to find an older DVD player to actually play the dang thing. Um, but it works, finally. We got it to work. And I'm glad we did, too, because it's uh, the winner of our latest Patreon poll. If you're a subscriber on our Patreon uh, uh, account, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Uh, everyone who, who donates $5 or more uh, a month gets to uh, help pick out an episode of Cancel Too Soon. Every single month. And uh, this month we were doing a whole bunch of shows that were based off of movies. And they Mm. didn't take off. And your options were uh, Working Girl, starring Sandra Bullock. Uh, Your options were Dirty Dancing, the sitcom, which came out one year after the movie. And no one remembers. No one remembers that one at all. Nobody remembers that TV movie from just last year either. Oh, wait, it was this year. year. This year. That's how how forgettable it was. Um there was Karen Sisko. It was Karen Sisko, which was uh, more of a spin-off, really, of Out of Sight, with Carlo Gugino taking over for uh, Jennifer Lopez's character. But surprise, surprise, <laughs> was yeah, actually, we, very, we actually just sort of threw this one on the list, and we were surprised it got uh, people rallying behind it. Um, the winner was a little show called Sudbury, mm-hmm. which would probably be better known as the title of the movie it's based on, Practical Magic. I don't have a clip because this is one of those pilots <laughs> that got made, got produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they spent a fair amount of money on it. Got Sen- a good cast. Sandra and- Bullock was the executive producer, so it had yeah. like some uh, celebrity behind it. And it had some real cast members <clears throat> in it. This was a real pilot, almost mm-hmm. went to series, uh, and it just never went anywhere. Never aired officially. Uh, but you can track it down mm-hmm. if you do your work. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because Practical Magic was a pretty big hit movie in 1998. 98 it came out. Um, now, it is an adaptation of a novel by Alice Hoffman, mm-hmm. uh, who also wrote uh, the book Aquamarine is based on, if you'll recall the, that. The mermaid film. Uh, there was a TV miniseries uh, in 2015 based on her novel The Dove Keepers. She also wrote the 1983 version of Independence Day, starring Diane Weist, having nothing to do with aliens. Unfortunately. There was a review of that on the cinema although, snob. Although Diane Weist uh, was in the film version of Practical Magic. She played one of the two ants. Now, so it all works out. If you have not seen Practical Magic... Uh, you must. Th- this was such a strange phenomenon, because I remember when this came out in 98, and how many people came to see it. Uh, I saw it twice, somehow, in the, in the theater. <laughs> like, without trying. Like, just somehow I drifted into this movie with groups of friends two times and so I got to see it on the big screen it was directed by Griffin Dunn uh-huh. it's starred Griffin Dunn uh, co-star of uh, uh, American World in London yeah and yeah, After Hours very uh, good actor good, good, pretty com- good director good comedic actor also a known director uh, it starred Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman as a pair of sisters who lived in a small town in Massachusetts Sudbury Sudbury and they were witches they had magical powers like that's, that's the kind, gimmick. kind that's of the gag. kind of like in Harry Potter, you're like born with magic. You just sort of have it, and only yeah. women have it. Yeah, uh, Practical Magic came out. Um, hold on, I, have it, I had it right in front of me here. Uh, where were you, Practical Magic? Uh, it came out uh, October sixteenth, nineteen ninety eight. So it was a summer. Uh, it was a, a Halloween release. Mm. How did I get summer and Halloween mixed up? I don't know. <laughs> summer uh, Halloween. Uh, it opened opposite Bride of Chucky mm-hmm. and Beloved. Wow. Now, what I think is really, really... I I think I saw all three of those movies on the same weekend. You know what's weird? Uh, Uh, They share a screenwriter. 
Beloved and Practical Magic. Practical Magic had a bunch of different cooks in that. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. And he watched the movie, and it really shows. But uh, one of the writers is Adam Brooks, uh, huh. who also wrote the screenplay for, or co-wrote the screenplay for Beloved, co-wrote the screenplay for Practical Magic. He worked on Wimbledon, Mozart in the Jungle. Okay. Career. Um, F- famous, talented screenwriter. Yeah, a lot of, but like Akiva Goldsman, uh, who, ran a, who won an Oscar for writing A Beautiful, a Beautiful Mind. Mind, and who completely negated that Oscar by writing Lost in Space, Batman and, and Batman Robin, and, Robin. And, and Winter's Tale, and uh, Akiva Goldsman. Um, he, he's a problematic person. Uh, certainly problematic screenwriter. I don't know about him. I don't know him as a person. But. Um, Although he li- he little little bit of insider baseball, he lives down the street from my aunt. Uh, like they they've talked to him on the street before when he's out like walking his dog and stuff. Do so they, they, they ever ask him what hap- what's up with the winter's tale? No, but the, he he they they did tell a story of when he was like out just sort of walking, looking for inspiration, saying I don't know what to do with this Batman thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Um, and it shows. Okay, uh, so practical magic. Yeah, it's 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 this weird entity. Because it came out around this time of this um, very, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word girl power because it sounds well, kind of can, condescending. But it was, it was kind of a, a wave of youthful pop feminism, that the, the sort of MTV pop feminism, yeah, like the Spice of, Girls yeah. kind of thing. And uh, Practical Magic was marketed as a very positive, mm. very uh, sisterly, mm. uh, very uh, a, a sororial polemic, yeah, of, and, of female togetherness and. The idea not, not necessarily anti-male sentiment, but males were not welcome in in the world of practical magic. Well, like. there's only two prominent male characters, and another one who like dies real, real fast. Mm. Well, actually, two of them die real fast, but one of them sticks around for a while because <laughs> there's magic. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's about women. It's about women and their place in a society, which in the movie is is actually very uh, female. Like, there's actually like you don't see hardly any other men in the mm. town of Sudbury. Even though there's a lot of oppression towards them because they are witches, the oppression mostly comes from other women who disapprove of them, or and you get the distinct oppression, particularly in Nicole Kidman's case. Mm. There, there's some sort of threat, and Nicole Kidman plays into it in a like by saying, "Hang on to your husband's girls" when she moves back to yeah, town so, because she's going to steal everybody. Yeah, she, she's come back to town. She's sort of the the fiery one, the mm. the one who drifted off and never married and. Mm. Was the wild girl of the town. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock, her sister, was the more homey one, mm-hmm. the one who had a family. And she's basically, as much as you can be in a town where everyone knows you're a witch, mm-hmm. um, she's basically in the closet. She's not <laughs> practicing witchcraft. She doesn't want her daughters practicing witchcraft. Uh, she has two aunts, played by Stalker Channing and Diane Weist. Yay! Who are great. Stalker Channing and Diane Weist. That's a great pairing, if ever there was one. Why, why are Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock in this movie at all? I don't care. <laughs> I want to see Stucker Channing, and I want to see Diane Weist, and I want to see them fight a lot, and I want to see them get drunk, and I want to see them sit on their porch and cast spells at passing men. Done. That's uh, that's the whole movie. That's, that's a movie. <laughs> you got yourself I want Jim Jarmusch to direct it. There's a whole... But that's that's kind of the thing with this movie. There's so many... Because I just rewatched it, and there's it's so fighting itself. It's trying to be every single thing. Yeah. It's trying to be a romantic sort of fantasy comedy where Sandra Bullock 
uh, is in, meets this detective who's investigating a murder, and we'll get to that in a second, uh, played by Aiden Quinn. And Aiden mm-hmm. Quinn is the result of some spell she created to find, make she the was perfect a, guy. The, uh, but yeah. part of the spell was that she can't lie to him. Like, she can never lie to this guy. Mm-hmm. And as a result, she has to tell him the truth all the time, and it's really mm-hmm. awkward. That's one movie. That's a whole movie right there. Uh-huh. Is a witch who accidentally creates the perfect guy, and it's a problem. Great. Well, she, she didn't, like, create him, but she came up with these, like, really bizarre set of circumstances. Well, and it turns out that was a real person. Yeah, she, and uh, so the spell like sought this guy out and drew him to Sudbury. And there's this morbid quotient to it where like the women of this family are mm-hmm. cursed, where any man who falls in love with them dies a young death. Mm-hmm. Like, d- d- not necessarily gets murdered per se, but dies well before their time. Thomas Dolby kills them with a ham bone. Exactly. Thank you, Rockula. <laughs> um, but no, like that's, and that's, that's the gag. So Sandra Bullock realizing that anyone who she loves mm. and falls in love with her uh, is going to die horribly decides to cast a spell so that the only person she could ever love doesn't um, exist. Doesn't exist. It's too specific. Yeah. The rules are too specific. Like he has two different color eyes and he's currently carrying... Well, like carrying a crocodile or something. No, his his favorite shape is a star, and all okay. this, all these super duper weird specific things. And the weird thing is, like, yeah, she doesn't create him because Aiden Quinn is older than her. Mm. So it's like, imagine like you had your destiny set out for you, and then somewhere else in the country, mm. like a young Sandra Bullock casts a spell, and then all of a sudden you're in practical magic. Yeah, and that's just, your fate. You're just sort of roped in. So there's that. There's also Nicole Kidman has an abusive boyfriend played by uh, ER alumni Goran Vizniak, mm-hmm. um, who was, there was this time when it seemed like he was going to be a big deal. He was in a couple of thrillers, he was yeah. in Electra. Um, he's kind of, he looks a bit like Javier Bardem, but he doesn't have that same <laughs> magnetic charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's an abusive boyfriend. He's hurting Nicole Kidman. She calls Sandra Bullock for help. She goes to help them, but then he kidnaps them both, and they end up accidentally killing him. The, yeah, they, they try to slip him like a magic Mickey, but it's too much. And he just dies. Yeah. And there's actually a cool moment where they're like, oh god, we're murderers, what do we do? And their idea is, well, we're witches, we'll bring him back to life. Therefore, we didn't kill him. Mm. Therefore, no harm, no foul. But then they bring him back to life, and the first thing he does is try to kill them, so they just hit him on the head with a frying pan and give up and bury him in the garden. Yeah, yeah. It's so cute. it's really morbid, though. It's really, like, so they're trying, vicious. Yeah, they're, well, they're trying to get some dark comedy in there. This was, you know, the ear of the craft, you know, so... That's um, true, but, like, you're you're balancing this scene where you kill a guy twice, and you actually deal with, the, like, guilt and ramifications of guilt, and that... And but that's balanced with a scene where Sandra Bullock runs across town and gives a big smooch to a guy to Faith Hill's This Kiss, which I can sing all of to you, by the way, and I'm not going to do it right now. You just have to take my word for it. If you meet me in person, maybe I'll do it. There's a scene, like, all of this is going on. They've just killed a guy Mm. twice. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and, like, Aiden Quinn's showing up, and they're probably gonna go to jail, and, like, and then... Stalker Channing and Diane Wee start making mar- magical margaritas, and mm. then they all run downstairs and dance to Lime in the Coconut. And then <laughs> so it's just that's called it. Coconut, but, but yeah. like, but I'm so people aren't confused. Right. But lime in the Coconut, Harry, yeah, yeah, Harry Nelson's Coconut. Got to sit through the entire song, basically, mm. and it's just. Mm. Tonal sh- whiplash just <laughs> well, and that, rocks that's, your head back. That's a, a tradition of the Owen women. This, this is the Owen family, by the way. Yeah. Is Owen or Owens? Owens. Owens. The Owens family uh, have a tradition of making midnight margaritas, 
dates which back is, to the crucible, no doubt. I guess so, which is something alcoholics do. <laughs> you know, there's Oh, I can't sleep. I know, midnight margaritas. The movie opens with a scene of like you know, the crucible times and like the mm. first Owens woman in America or whatever is uh, about to be uh, hung. Mm. And uh or hanged, I guess, is actually the correct term. But um, And then what happens is she uses her magic and she escapes and everyone in the town runs away and it's treated like a joke. And I'm like, they're going to come back and really kill her now, now that they know she's a witch? Oh, like, no. there's a lot of, like, sort it's, of it, logic. Like, several generations later, they catch but up. But several generations later, you know, like, now that it's the present day, you have Stocker Channing and Diane Weiss, like, walking down the street, doing spells in public. Mm. And, like, everyone knows they're a witch. And I'm just like... This movie could only have the last time this movie could have been made is like 1998 because like after that they would be on the internet, yeah, <laughs> there would be YouTube so. videos, they would have a reality show mm. and it would be great and I would watch it. <laughs> but Diane Weiss and Stocker Channing as witches sold. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else noteworthy. I guess yeah, it, it's just it's a strange movie. No, the cast the, is very likable. The reason we've gone into such detail on the film mm-hmm. is because this pilot Sudbury. Uh, cribs the story beat for beat. Yeah, it's not uh, one of those shows where they take the movie and they stretch it out over a season. They mostly crank out the movie. They crank out the movie in 45 minutes. More now, or less. They cut uh, some stuff, but it's basically yeah. the movie. The Nicole Kidman character is now played by Jerry Ryan of Star Trek Voyager fame. Uh, yeah. And the Sandra Bullock character is now played by Kim Delaney. Uh she they uh, she has two young daughters. The teenage daughter is now played by Kat Dennings. Yeah, from uh, Two Broke Girls mm. and uh, Thor, uh, and Thor the, the Dark. The Thor movies. Uh, yeah. For the record, Kim Delaney, you know her from stuff like NYPD Blue yeah. and Army Wives, and she's yeah. th- everyone in the cast is good. Um, and uh, Isai Morales plays the Aiden Quinn character, the local mm. cop. Now he's local cop, uh, who is investigating uh, which, to, the to, to mysterious. Make, so I'm, I'm guessing that whole I, "I summoned you with a childhood wish" element is is abandoned from the series. I, that or it's a twist for later. The, they'll save it for fun. later in the season, yeah. but it's not addressed in this pilot. Yeah. yeah, the biggest the biggest changes in the pilot are uh, the the yeah the Aiden Quinn thing is nowhere near as contrived. Uh, and, and the mur- the murder plot's a little different. The murder plot is simpler. Yeah. Um, but also, in the movie, Sandra Bullock just has two little daughters. They're, like, twins or about the same age, and they're, like, mm. eight or nine. And well, in One the- of them is played by Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, in the movie, yeah. yeah. Um, and in the show, yeah, they aged one of them up mm. so they can have a generational dynamic. So it's Kat Dennings as a teenager, uh, she, Kim Delaney and she, Jerry uh, Ryan as people in, as women yeah. in their 30s, and then they're the aunts... Who are played by? I didn't write this. Uh, recognizable actresses. Um, uh, I, yeah, I did not write it down. Hang on a second. But yeah, uh, Shirley uh, Knight. Cat Dennings uh, has magic powers, and she can do like carry stuff. Like when the the her bitchy classmates kind of snark at her and call her names, she like concentrates really hard, and then like windows shatter behind her, sort Sorry. of stuff. The, the or, answer or wind pl- comes by. The answer played by uh, Shirley Knight from mm-hmm. As Good as It Gets, uh, and Dixie Carter from Designing Women and Desperate oh, okay. Housewives, yeah. um, and they're fine. They have not nearly as much screen time. This is this is the Kim Delaney mm. and Jerry Ryan show. Jerry Ryan just pretty much has to go beat for beat through the abusive boyfriend story arc yeah, so in this then, one uh, Kim uh, Delaney just has to go through her old story arc but uh, now she's got to talk to her daughter about the importance of being your responsible witchy, yeah, for magic w- w- keeping your witchiness down and the young daughter over the course of the pilot learns that she is also a witch and they try to kind of r- rope her into the 
the, the fold as well. well. It's a- now, there's it's not like in Harry Potter where they practice magic like they're not reading through spell books and teaching themselves to get better that's something that that i imagine they're well, saving for the series well they have a recipe book that's the, what they do they the ants re- the ants have a recipe but book. they have but, one they have one in the pilot they have one too they have uh, uh the jerry ryan has an old recipe book that they're using as well oh i thought that was the ants recipe book oh uh, no jerry ryan had her own oh okay. yeah it, I, I mixed six to one half a dozen i mixed them up but uh my point is they don't have like a school in place or some side, some sort of uh, system for honing their magical skills. The girl, the two young girls just have it and they tell them that they have it. So they know that weird stuff might happen when they get emotional, but they, there's no real control and they have no real way of like schooling them in yeah. magic. There, there's not like some sort of uh, practical system in place. There's no, Practical magic. There's no practical magic in practical magic. And the the murder plot, you said, is streamlined. Because this one, there's no, like, kidnapping. They don't kill the bad boyfriend together. Jerry Ryan is just being abused. She slips him some deadly nightshade that she doesn't think is going to be that deadly. Uh-huh. And he dies. And then that's but, it. And that's it. He but doesn't die twice. It, they don't resurrect them. It, it turns out that since he died by magic means, like, a bit of him is able to sort of drift over to the house. Yeah, he's gets, like, he has, he has like, a, a haunted has a ring. haunted ring. And it, and it, it rolls over to the house. It attaches itself on a twig, and a haunted rose bush grows in their you garden. You skip a step because, like, the big, like, mm. I believe it's the big shift, like the big commercial break thing is. Mm. There's that. There's the ring, mm. and then it's uh, a snake, snake ring. It, yeah, it's a snake ring, and then it gets eaten by a frog, and it goes zip with its tongue, right? And it and swallows it, and you're like, oh god, maybe the frog will be the bad guy on this show. And then the frog, just, <laughs> no one can trust the frog. Then the frog just coughs it up onto a twig, and then the twig starts going, evil roses, evil roses, and then the evil boyfriend, who in the movie. Uh, is actually like really just a fucking ghost and like flying around and he possesses Nicole Kidman mm. and it's really dark and messed up and he like there's a scene where he's like possessed Nicole Kidman but he's making the moves on Sandra Bullock and licking her face yeah. through Nicole Kidman and it's just <laughs> so bizarre that it's in this feel good you know hooray for mm. the power of women movie that's just really weird and <laughs> it's, like, it's a strange ass film it's a strange ass film so they cut all that stuff out and he's just this ghost in the backyard and mm. so they go to talk to their aunts and their aunts are just like yeah you're gonna like put this potion over there and say this poem a bunch of times and jerry ron's like oh okay and then she does that and, and then and uh, it kind of takes care of it and then well it doesn't it does and then like all all the roses dissolve mm. and then the roses grow back again and he's like you will never get rid of me and then she takes some shears and just chops off all the roses and i guess that works <laughs> I, I i i'm thinking it was the two things in in tandem but well, yeah like there's this bit where she's just like okay so all i gotta do is i try to pour this potion on the ground and say this poem like a whole bunch of times mm. and she's like yeah and then you know you'll do the other thing like what's the other thing you'll find out and i'm like don't why would you leave magic to chance when there's like a ghost abusive boyfriend well, in the, the mix you the should ghost, tell her the ghost abusive the step is the ghost abusive boyfriend is scary but he he's not like breaking windows or possessing people in this he's just sort of standing in the garden yeah and, it's, and it, it, it makes her some good spooky images like you, you yeah. turn around he's just sort of standing in the rose bush there's but, this cool shot they have where like you know there's like a window with like different partitions on it like different squares of glass mm. and he's in some squares of glass but not the others yeah, the camera yeah, yeah. Pans by. that's a cute little effect actually i'll give him that that was pretty so good. yeah that, that he's just this sort of spooky presence that's hanging over them you know it's, it's good and scary but he's not really a threat like a physical threat no not specifically no 
And like he can't go to the police or you know call somebody and say, "Hey, they killed me." You know, just he's he's there and they want to get rid of him. He's like a he's like a rodent problem. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, and that's a damn shame. I think I kind of would have liked to have seen like. <laughs> well, I wish he was a recurring character. Yeah, like you could the, really have the dead with boyfriend that. lives in your backyard. There's nothing you can do about like, it. Imagine and if you just you, kind of have to ignore it or like, uh, confront it from time to time. Like imagine if you had a stalker and you killed your stalker, but now the stalker is just stalking you forever. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying, and you can get a story out of that. Like yeah. it's there's there's something to be told there. Here it just feels like look, I'll be honest here, when I was rewatching Practical Magic the movie before I watched the pilot, <laughs> I was watching them like, there's a show here. There's a Gilmore Girls with magic kind mm. of show here, like a half charmed where there's occasionally some sort of magical thing that has to be stopped, but mostly relationship dynamics in a small town. There's a there's a real idea for for a show here, and it's about the sisters and their relationship. It's got to be like yeah. that's the, they're they're two entirely different people, and you got a generational story of older women, younger women, and now young daughters, and they're all trying to mm. uh, deal with the baggage of a lifetime, the baggage of their whole family generations, and uh, and also magic. Okay, mm. there's there's a pretty good story there, and I like the cast. Um, Kat Dennings is an actor I very much enjoy. Um, we, although she tends, I find like she tends to get stuck in some poorly written material. A lot. <laughs> I actually, I've only seen like, <laughs> Thor. I, I, even Thor, she's good. Like she's good in Thor. It's like I've, I've watched some episodes of Two Broke Girls, and I'm just watching. I'm like this is not a very well written show. <laughs> she's good in it, mm. but like it's not very well written. But it's a hit. She's doing okay. I, I think it's over now or something. But like it was well, a hit. It was a hit. She, was... She, she's doing rather well. Yeah. But, like, yeah, so her character has been aged up a bit, and her whole thing is she's an outsider, she wants to practice magic, but she's not allowed to. She may have cast a spell on this hunky boy she likes, played by Nolan Funk. Um, (laughs) Say that again, with as much ire as you just said it. Nolan Funk. The... Oof, Nolan Funk. What a te- what a, just what a name. Like and I don't the, know if I choose okay, so Nolan Funk. Nolan anyway. Funk uh, is sort of like the bad boy of the town. Yeah. And you pointed this out. This since this was an unaired pilot, they could use a lot of whatever temporary music they wanted. Yeah. So there was all kinds of unlicensed pop songs. Like Lincoln Park was in like there. Stuff they'd never be able stuff to that, afford for the for the actual pilot. Like, yeah, every like, time for, like, he was on screen, Lincoln Park started blaring like really almost drowning out the dialogue in the background. Yeah. So, if Linkin Park is your theme music, you're in trouble. You need to change your ways. It's like <laughs> it's a if, lot of Linkin Park fans are really like if, mad if, at you right if, now. If, if you go to a, 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 a faraway hotel in Palm Springs and there's a guy named Randy there, well, then I, you need to go to a different hotel he, he, immediately. Here's, well, <laughs> wow, Hot Springs Hotel reference. <laughs> but I think you're I think, welcome. I, well, I think you know when you think about that. Oh, what, what, what does it say if Lincoln Park is your theme music? Like, mm-hmm. imagine if in the biographical film about your life, what's the song that introduces you? Mm-hmm. Is it a song by Tom Waits? Mm-hmm. You're leading an interesting life. <laughs> is it a song by Billy Joel? You're a plucky hero. Uh, if is it a song by Lincoln Park? You might be in Transformers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not great. <laughs> like, you'll be staged as a hero, but there's something really super sketchy about you. Mm. So, uh, Kat Dennings uh, is frustrated with her mom, and she wants to run away with this guy. I never got 100% certain whether or not she actually cast a spell on him or whether he was just an a-hole. I think he was just an a-hole. Mm. I, I think he seemed really kind of 
cool and that aloof, gregarious bad boy sort of way, but he was a bad boy, so he was actually kind of just a jerk. There's, it, it and reminds- when they when she tried to run off with him, he was speeding for no reason, was just kind of a reckless He's going to take her out of town. He's on a runway with her to California, whether yeah, she liked and, it or not. And, it's really such shitty. And she... I'm not sure if it was intentional or if her, one of her her mom or her aunt did this, but the car was pushed off the road by a swarm of leaves. Uh, that was her mom. Her mom, her mom did spell. that. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it reminded me of the subplot from The Craft, which came out around the same time as Practical Magic. The Craft was a few years before. But, but it was yeah. around. My point is, it, you would have era, seen that. Yeah. If you were in high school when The Craft came out, you were still in high school when Practical Magic came out. Mm. Um, and... There's a subplot in The Craft, which is a very rather well-regarded film of its era. Um, there's a lot of things I don't particularly care for about it, and one of them is this weird subplot with Skeet Ulrich. So <laughs> Skeet Ulrich is the hunky guy at school, mm-hmm. and he goes out on This is one, The Craft, by the way. Yeah. This is The Craft. He goes out on one date with Robin Tenney, mm-hmm. uh, and it seems like it's going well, but they don't, like have sex, but he tells everyone that they did, so she hates him. So she uses her magical powers to make him fall in love with her, mm-hmm. and I'm like... How is that his punishment? I think so she can control him. But then there's this weird bit where she the spell works too well, uh-huh. and he becomes a stalker, and he uh-huh. tries to like assault her. Yeah. And Feruza Balk decides to get her revenge on him by sleeping with him. And I'm like, I don't know what your message is here <laughs> right now. It's really muddled. I, I, I took it as uh, they're teenagers and they're not thinking too clearly. Okay, that's fine, but mm-hmm. the movie is clearly trying to be some sort of... Uh, uh, a clear, the movie clearly has a feminist angle, and I don't think it's very clear in what its own politics yeah, are. Yeah. So I saw this Practical Magic pilot as sort of taking the basic idea of that subplot of the craft and honing it a bit and making it work. Because even in the movie, and I didn't read the novel, mm. I'm kind of curious to actually, <laughs> just to see how I, it was more focused than the novel. Than the, it, than it's the probably movie not, but like really wild stories can are street, streamlined a little bit better in print form. Maybe. But look at Stephen King, for instance. <laughs> well, that's true. But like, you know, um, the Owens women in the movie in particular uh, one of the thing, ways that they make money is they do love potions or they manipulate mm. people's minds. In fact, um, when like Sandra the Shadow, well, like when Sandra Bullock casts a spell so that she'll never fall in love with someone because the guy doesn't exist, uh, her aunts just ha- have her fall in, like cast a spell to have her fall in love with some random dude, and then she marries him and has two kids, mm. and then he dies because of the ants. <laughs> it's really manipulative and shitty. See, this is why I wanted the movie to be about the ants. Yeah, the ants are fascinating like, people. Well, let's see, we need to we need to get her a man, but not one she needs to stay with. I got it. We'll make her fall in love with random dude, and then we'll kill him, and she'll be okay. <laughs> oh, they didn't kill him, but they, he died because he was part of that spell. He was part of that curse. Like, it's, it's weird. <laughs> no, they killed him. Well, I like to they, think they functionally killed they killed him. I don't think impractically. I don't think they actually held up a cleaver. In fact, there's this weird. I, I bit like in to the, think that there were like candlesticks and burying in the backyard. There's involved. This, there's this weird bit in the pilot where um, you know the person who loves you is going to die because there's like this beetle that shows up and makes like crickety noises. Yeah. And Sandra Bullock knows here's that beetle and she's trying to like tear up the floorboards trying to kill the beetle as if the beetle itself was actually going to do it. Like the, beetle, <laughs> like the beetle is the one who pulls the trigger. She finds the beetle and it's polishing a gun. <laughs> so like it keeps cutting between her trying to get this beetle and the dude like off on his, he's delivering something. He's like a local businessman. Mm-hmm. 
owns a small business, something. And he's walking in the street, and you see, oh no, around the corner, it's, it's a like, whole bunch of bicyclists. It's like, the, it's like Final Destination kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah so it's a whole bunch of bicyclists, and they just like, it looks like, oh no, he's going to be killed by all these bicyclists. And I'm like, no, he's not. And then like, all the bicyclists just sort of go by him. And there's this weird like City of Angels moments where he's got like his arms akimbo, like Meg Ryan. And it's just like, ah, oh, bicycles. So magical. Nothing bad happens in movies in the late 90s with supernatural romances and bicycles. And then he gets hit by a truck. <laughs> That's one weird-ass movie, I tell you. It's a weird Jeez. I kind of love it, actually. I love Practical Magic, the movie, mm-hmm. for the things it does right, which are, again, the, the all of the women in the cast in particular are fantastic. Truly fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, they're giving, like, Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock aren't quite as interesting as Diane Weiss and Stockard Channing, because I think they're filling these, um... Well, they're more like, they're the hero roles, they have to yeah. be a little bit more versatile. Mainstream uh, you know, they, protagonist they, they, they can't, they can't be... They can't be quirky as yeah. as a protagonist. Stocker Channing and Diane Weiss are Hollywood very comfortable movie. with who they are. Yeah, yeah. So you got to you get some kind of uh, clunky. Um, oh, I finally accept who I am as a witch, and I'm like, well, great. I'll, well, Diane Weiss already did that. We can I, just watch her. But I, like, I like Nicole Kidman, and I I have liked Sandra Bullock. Um, I think these are like maybe their least interesting roles. Like, oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I think Sandra Bullock's been in some real crap. But so, well, Sandra Bullock I, again. I'm I'm actually not a big uh, Sandra Bullock fan. Sandra Bullock maybe is, like the one person. But I think uh, Sandra Bullock is a, is you know there's a difference between uh, we say sometimes there's a difference between an actor and a movie star. An mm. actor can act anything. A movie star is basically has, there to has be themselves. That charm. Yeah. Um, when Sandra Bullock is working within her wheelhouse, uh, she's fucking fantastic mm-hmm. like she's you, you look at whether it's mainstream shit like speed mm-hmm. or uh, even the first miss congeniality it's not a great comedy but she's great in it no. um and I, then i, I like her in something like film. gravity she's fantastic in gravity yeah, i liked like, her in that film while you were sleeping if you ever saw oh, that. that's a good movie yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so uh, like she's really good nicole n- kidman is an actor she, she's she can a, be anything and uh, and i she's fantastic when she gets to be strange yeah and like, if you if you've a, seen we, the killing of the sacred deer this of a sacred deer this year, you know she's fantastic in that, and so like she, she carries a lot of that movie. So when she, when there has to be a scene of Nicole Kidman going to a PTA meeting and vamping so that mm. all the conservative women in town are frightened of this sexual dynamo that has just moved back into town, mm. she's playing it well. But yeah. that's not where she lives. Where she lives is when is during the extended sequence where she's possessed by Goran Vizniak, <laughs> and she's like she gets tied to a you, chair you and just his, grinning like she's going to eat everyone in the room. It's to use his Croatian accent and say things like, I'm feeling very into sisters. Like, you can watch, like, you can watch, like, a really, ter- like, this is nowhere near, like, the worst Nicole Kidman movie. I mean, even some, like, The Birthday Girl, which is just fucking terrible. <laughs> but she's really good in it. Like, yeah. I, it's hard to find a bad Nicole Kidman performance. Mm. It is. She's always great. Mm. Um, Sandra Bullock isn't there- always great, but when she's got the right material, she's got the right material. And this is one of the ones where Sandra Bullock can really make the most out of a nothing role. She just now, has to add charm and uh, strength, and she does that. Um, now, when Kim Delaney plays the same role, I've, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that... Like, I think she plays the, the role identically 
uh, to Sandra Bullock. She she, she has less up, she has less to play because her plot doesn't revolve around well, there, her as much. But there's, other than there's that, less yeah. time in the pilot to do it. So yeah. she was able to take uh, the character and essentially present a TV abridged version incredibly well. I think Jerry Ryan is playing a slightly different character who is actually a little bit more dynamic than the Nicole Kidman character. I agree. Nicole Kidman Kidman character was a a vamp. She was kind of one dimensional throughout the course of the film. Yeah. Jerry Ryan while not necessarily, you know, the the best of all actresses, still seemed to bring a little bit more, more pathos to the role. Well, she seemed to be a lot more sympathetic in, in the little time she was given. I think what happens is um, we see a lot more in the movie of Nicole Kidman's character being... Uh, Jillian is the character's mm-hmm. name. Uh, we see her being happy with the boyfriend before it goes bad. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jerry... So, like, she's still, like... I don't know. It feels like she hasn't been living with the violence mm. for as long. When we see Jerry Ryan and the boyfriend character, she, she's always she's been in this bad relationship for a while. Yeah, now. so it, it's 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 had I think a more uh, last. I I, I, I don't want to say lasting per se, but like it's more of a defining a characteristic well, of her character I, I is that she's really escaping something really terrible she's been in for a long time. It's also a better way to communicate. We don't need to see their whole relationship, how they used to be happy, to see how it's soured. We can join them right when it's sour, have yeah. one line of dialogue, well, it used to be great, but now, you know, it, and, and trail off. You know, that's yeah. all you really need to establish all of this. So I think... Yeah. Dropping us in there gets a, and have Jerry Ryan just looking really wounded and looking like she wants to escape communicates so much more. And then you see than her, having all that backstory. I agree, and because it's so much cleaner. Like Practical Magic, the movie gives you so much more information than Practical Magic, the show, more than you need. <laughs> yeah, which is part of the problem because uh, you just you're not sure what's important and what's not, and what's defining the tone and what's completely coincidental. Uh, in the show, yeah, she is she's escaping a horrible relationship. I don't think she actually realizes she killed him initially. Mm-hmm. She just runs to see her sister, and it's cathartic, and she's great, and she's interacting with her nieces, and she realize, and um, Kim Delaney tells her, you're actually setting a rather bad example right now. I'm trying to do all these things. And they have an honest-to-goodness disagreement about you know, the extent to which their magic or their religion or their lifestyle, mm-hmm. however, you want, however you want to extend the metaphor, uh, should be imparted upon the girls at young ages. Um, and Jeremy, Jerry Ryan, I think, actually, like goes through more over the course of the pilot than Nicole Kidman does because she goes through, <laughs> she has to overcome this terrible relationship mm. in a much more emotionally confrontational way, but also deal with, you know, she has made some choices in her life that have not gone well at all, many of which she regrets, and she doesn't want to impart the wrong wisdom onto these young girls. Mm. She thinks she has valid counterpoints mm. to the very... um maybe not conservative, reserved uh, lifestyle of Kim Delaney's character. But she also was like, there's even like a bit where she's like running after Kat Dennings because she said something stupid and doesn't want Kat Dennings to do something terrible. And then she's like, never pick up smoking. Yeah. <laughs> like that in itself was a good bit. You know, well, just and, like, I made some mad bets. And, and at the end, the final scene of the movie, or the movie, of the pilot is um, Jerry Ryan coming in with arms full of groceries saying, well, I guess I... May I stay with you? Yeah, there's, I want, there's a bit. They I'm, think I'm, she's left, like yeah, left, and left, and she comes back with groceries. Comes back with groceries, she's and, uh, and taking some responsibility for the family. And, and now we have this really great moment of maturing for the character. She used to be this wild vamp. She fell in with this in this bad relationship that almost wrecked her, and now she's 
needs this time to sort of heal and spend time with family and kind of grow up a little bit. And that's a great premise for a TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's also, yeah, much more than we got for the Nicole, from the Nicole Kidman character from the feature film. Yeah. So I, I like her, this character, a lot better in this 45-minute pilot. I think that's fair. Yeah. In both the actress and in the treatment of the character. Mm-hmm. Everything else, like all of the weird stuff, is largely the same and it feels a lot the same. Well, it feels a lot the same and it feels a lot less dynamic. Griffin mm-hmm. Dunn is not a particularly, like, quote-unquote, great director, mm-hmm. but he's bringing a lot more weird flourish and personality. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a pilot for, let's be honest here, a show that was kind of chasing like a CW kind of audience. So I'm not expecting a lot of like whirling dervish. It was intended to go out on CBS, but yeah. Yeah. Um, So it it doesn't surprise me that it's not particularly excitingly filmed. Mm. Um, I think that's part of the problem. I think it's one of the reasons why it didn't get picked up is it doesn't feel distinctive enough. Um, I think honestly, I think going through the plot of the movie was a mistake. I think that was probably Mm. like, it's a bit too, dark and criminally and i think they really should just focus on the soap opera elements and then maybe in like episode two uh jerry ryan's character's ex-boyfriend shows up and they have to deal with that for a couple of episodes might have been a stronger Mm -hmm. way to introduce it because where this show is going to live if it had been picked up is in the family it's in the family relationships is in this great ensemble cast that they put together and it's just about how they deal with growing up in a small town with a lot of baggage on their uh, about their family, a lot of local oppression from people who, you know, chant that they're witches. And that's basically it. It's the Spellmore girls. It's, you know, like that's that's what the show needed mm. to be. You can incorporate other magical elements. I think if the show had gone on 100 episodes. Mm. The thing you would have desperately needed to do was bring in at least one or two more magical characters to act as maybe like, not antagonists, antagonists maybe yeah. foils would be better. Just people who are less scrupulous mm. because they say like every member of the Owens family uh, has witch powers and they yeah. have different kinds of witch powers. The, 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 girls, the women, the women, the women do. Yeah. Like, but the you know the youngest uh, uh, daughter. Um, has more psychic powers. She can mm. tell that, like, her teacher is, like, dying of heart disease, for example. Mm. Uh, Kat Dannings, I'm not sure what her bag is, but she's probably got a different power as well. But they probably have cousins. <laughs> they probably have, like, family from the old country. Play, played by some well, not- notable guest star, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, that'd be... No, I'm, I'm trying to think mm. of, like, who who would be cool. Miriam mm. um, Margulis would have been fantastic. She shows up, and she's like... From Ireland or something. The, yeah, Mayor Winningham shows. Mayor Winningham would be a good that one. would be a good one. Yeah, like that kind of <laughs> level. Like, and um, and yeah, and it would just be nice to just sort of see how different people um, mm. use whatever power they have over their lives. Yeah. Um, and some people do it more selfishly than others, and that's just true. That's just life. Yeah. And um, you it would explore that through magic. That'd be great. I honestly think all this. The, the whole criminal thing and the evil ghost thing, least interesting thing about this. Well, I like the evil ghost thing, though, because of the the dynamic that it brought in. The whole notion of this rosebush that is the ghost of an ex living in your backyard with you. If they had somehow cr- created some sort of weird convoluted plot thing where uh, they wanted to stay together in this house and if like she moved away from this rose bush it would like start killing people or like the ghost would come back she had to stay close to it already pretty contrived to keep the ghost in at bay 
this notion you know, of this thing that was always reminding her of her past, living in the backyard. It's a like, potent metaphor. It would be, yeah, I think that would be a great metaphor. And I think, you like, to, you if have to keep cult, you have to keep fertilizing that garden. Yeah, she has to keep know. looking after this thing, this evil thing that's part of her, even though she doesn't really want to. And maybe the ex, like, occasionally comes back to talk to her, and she has to. Con- con- continuously confront the, her wounds. At the same time, I don't like the idea of that being something she can never escape mm. because I think part of the idea, I think part of the appeal mm. of practical magic is empowerment. And the but, idea that you could literally never escape, the, well, there's, the something notion, there's something hopeless about well, it. Well, I was going to say, over the course of a season or several seasons, the, the bush begins to wither. And at, mm. over the course of the series, as she becomes stronger, that's how it dies. Maybe. And that, that way you can see her becoming stronger through the death of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll th- run this th- by the writer's room. I'm not entirely sold, but I can see what you're getting okay. at. Just, I, I think that her her character and her relationship with her ex and kind of how she needs to outgrow this and become a more mature human being is what's really making it interesting for me. And she's the outsider. She's kind of the protagonist of this show. I think Kim Delaney's character and her relationship with her daughters is the less interesting story. Well, that's why I think it needs more development. And, and yeah, and her really like the cop that who she's cares? intended to have a romance with is hardly in this. So I, I love Isai Morales yeah. as an actor. Actually, I think like Isai mm. Morales is like one of the only actors who made the Atlas Shrugged movies. That's like, true. He was actually good in. He, them. he had some good speeches in the second. Yeah, like Atlas he sold some movie. really really clunky material in that, and like he, he's a good actor. <laughs> clunky is polite. Very polite. My point is that he's really talented. I would certainly like to see more of him, mm. and that that is a good idea in general. Mm. I guess my point is that I don't want it to be like, I don't want it to be charmed. I don't want it to have mm. a bunch of, I don't have villains of the week and I don't want it to, I'm uh, not talking about villains. Well, I'm talking I, about a soap. I, I, I realize that. Yeah. I'm just saying when I'm talking about like how I don't want like the ghost of the evil X to be like, uh, um, mm. the focus is I don't want it to be that dark. Mm. All the time, an element of darkness. Fine, I can talk. We we can talk with this. We can hash this out. We can find a way to make this work. But um, yeah, take I, it back to the studio and get this thing off the ground again. Yeah, no, I, I just like the idea of a small town soap opera type show with a comedic bent mm. and magic. I would like to visit that town. I would like to move to that town. That sounds fun to me. Step one, change the name of the town, because Sudbury is not a very poetic title. Sudbury is a terrible... I don't know who the hell... I don't know if there was, like, a contractual thing. You have to call it, like, the, the, the... You have a great name. Maplewick Chronicles or whatever. Here's the thing. Practical Magic is... A fun little title, because mm. those things seem contradictory, but they're not. Mm. And it was a hit movie. It wasn't a blockbuster, but it made money. Like, it was, people like it. It's well-remembered. It's a it, selling point. I'm Why guessing there that? was some sort of contractual thing where they weren't allowed to use the same title, or, like, they optioned the book title for a movie, but not for a TV series. Well, I hope that was the case. It's probably some sort of legal thing. So, yeah. um, yeah. But, but I don't know why they had to say Sudbury. Yeah. Well, what's you know, weird like, is... Like, the, the, the Owens witches would have been fine. In uh, 2010... Mm. Uh, they, they tried again. Yeah, they did. ABC tried again. ABC Family uh, tried to put together a Practical Magic uh, 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 TV series again in 2010. Uh, that one, to the best of my knowledge, either didn't shoot the pilot or that pilot has never uh, escaped the vault. Uh, I don't I, know much about from that what other than it was announced. I, I think it was announced and it was in development hell for about a year and then they just abandoned it. Yeah. Uh, so... As far as I know, nothing was shot. If, dear listeners, you know anything about the 2010 Practical Magic pilot that didn't go anywhere, we uh, would let, love to, we'd find, love out to find out some more information that on that because we weren't able to find too much. Um, so let's uh, let's ask ourselves the question: Was Sudbury K 
cancel too soon. Uh, yeah. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think like, there, there's mm. there's some interesting stuff in here, but like the movie, it's just not focused enough to really make me think that there's something they could do with that. It's a it's, it's fun to compare the pilot to the movie just because they're so similar, but I'm not sure if the pilot really left us with enough meat to explore throughout the course of a show. I'm torn because I stand by my assertion that Practical Magic is a perfectly good basis for a TV show. Mm. Um, But is this that show? Well, hang on a second. I think this is the cast. Okay, that's fair. If if it were me, I would be like, okay, um, good idea, great cast, you whiffed the pilot. Just whiffed it. Like, it's not even, like, a total miss. It's just not interesting enough. Mm -hmm. So why don't we take this cast, exact same cast, we ditch the the, the whole story from the movie, we'll get to it later if we want, and we just keep it simple and give, let's focus less on plot and let the characters interact and be fun and do fun things. Mm -hmm. That's what I want from this. And if we can do that, then, yes, this was canceled too soon, we can rework it after a failed pilot. Mm -hmm. If this is what it's going to be, then hell no, it wasn't canceled too soon. This is exactly like, and it's not even terrible. It's just not worth continuing. A, a little, a little dull. Yeah, a little it's a bit dull. of a shame because you're right. I think Jerry Ryan in particular gives a really good performance, and um, it would be nice if she had gotten a little bit more credit for it. Mm. Honestly, if people would have said, um, eh, "She's pretty good. We should put her in more stuff." Well, they they did. She was the she was the saver. Remember, mm. she was brought in. I think on this show, and was it Boston Public, um. where uh, she, where the, both Star Trek Voyager and I think it was Boston Public were flagging in the ratings, and they brought her in, and all of a sudden ratings just shot up on in both cases. Mm. So she had a reputation for being the actress who saved the show in, in more than one instance. Well, she's in a bunch of stuff. So she they, was in the OC. She was in Shark. It was Boston Public. You're right. Boston yeah. Public and. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the the producers thought, well, why don't we just start with Jerry Ryan and we'll have a great great hit on our hands? And I That's guess they just never works. never ran with. No, you, <laughs> you have to start failing first and then get Jerry Ryan and then your show's a hit. Well, thank you, Jerry Ryan. Uh, thank you, Jerry Ryan. <laughs> I, um, I didn't like her character in Star Trek Voyager. I liked the character she replaced much better. I gave up on Star Trek Voyager well before she showed up. Yeah, she showed up at the beginning of season four. I so tr- it, was, it, was, it took a little while for her to show I up. I tried there. watching Star Trek Voyager. I went, through a, I went through all of Deep Space Nine again a couple of years ago, and I've uh, never seen all of it, and it holds up so well for them. There's some bad episodes in like the last season, but for the most part, it holds the, up real the, well. The first and last are a little hazy, but yeah. Yeah, the first one, they're, they're finding their footing. Second mm-hmm. through sixth are impeccable <laughs> seventh mostly good a couple of real well, duds it becomes really soapy star trek deep space nine was one of those shows i wish had just sort of continued indefinitely like it'd be on season 28 and all, just all the characters continued to mutate well, they, they had this ongoing story arc that was pretty damn great but then they also wanted to right when things were getting really fucking intense mm. have a fun baseball episode yeah and, and yeah. a heist episode where they have to pull a heist in the hollow suite yeah it's <laughs> So stupid. Vic Fontaine is a regular character now. Why is Vic Fontaine a regular character? <laughs> what were you thinking? But yeah, then uh, then you, you didn't get through much of Voyager. No, I couldn't. I couldn't get through one season. I was just like, uh-huh. you know, I give up. I'm, I, life's really short. <laughs> Voyager is very long. <laughs> um, lasted seven years, thanks to Jerry Ryan. Um, but anyway, if, thank, if she hadn't come on, it would have been canceled sooner. Probably true. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening uh, to Cancel Too Soon. Mm-hmm. Um, next week. 
uh, we will be back with a review of uh, a fantasy series. We haven't actually done a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we have a fair amount that we really want to get to. And this is one that starred the late, great Heath Ledger. Um, before he was considered great, before he was just another teen heartthrob, <laughs> he was just a handsome young man. Yeah, and this is a this is a, uh, a sort of a teen Braveheart type series called Roar, um, which I'm looking forward to. Been wanting to watch it for a long time, so I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> it's about been that. on our pile for a second there. So and, yeah, and if you're a list, if you're a subscriber on Patreon, you also get a bonus episode every month called the Cancel Too Soon Monthly Movie. We hit a snag on that where we had acquired a really hard to find. TV movie remake of It's a Wonderful Life, which I'd only heard Legends of a Mystery Science Theater 3000. With Marlo Thomas. And I got, like, I was watching it, and then the disc crapped out. Like, you can't finish it. And I was like, no! <laughs> so, like, we what we're, we were going to try to do another Christmas thing in time, but I can't find my copy of the Arnold Schwarzenegger-directed remake of Christmas in Connecticut, and we're running out of time for Christmas. So we're just going to let that go. Well, well And we're, we're going to... We have we have a little, a little extra thing planned just... We do. Stay tuned because we have this the stupidest idea we've ever had. We're going to do it like tonight. Actually, yeah. and you can get it like tomorrow. Um, for so. it'll be a Christmas treat for you. But then the actual official cancel too soon monthly movie is going to be. We just fuck it. We're doing Killdozer. <laughs> we can't do a Christmas movie, so we're going to do a movie about a killer bulldozer that came out in the seventies. Now, really, if you put your mind to it, any bulldozer. Is a killdozer. <laughs> yeah. Even like a broken down one. You just got to throw people at it. Like basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky. You could you could just stab someone in it. And that, that would also make it a killdozer. Yeah. I would promote that bulldozer to killdozer if you stab that's, someone that's, in it. That's aiding and abetting dozer. Yeah, well, you know. And the it's... bulldozer didn't do any of the work. <laughs> the bulldozer was just Ex- there and didn't say anything. Accessory dozer doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it. So we're going to do Chiltoser for next week after Christmas. We totally want to do a Christmas night, but we will have one Christmas special, and we're going to let that. We're going to make that available to everybody. So just check your regular uh, uh, podcast feed yeah. um, for that. Letters. We have letters. You can email us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can email us canceled too soon at gmail.com. Uh, do you remember watching any of these shows? Do you know any information about them that we don't? Uh, just want to ask us questions. We're open mm-hmm. books. Uh, let's just uh, let's just open up. The- I'd love to hear uh, people's. Reactions to Practical Magic because it's strangely beloved, even though people hate it. Uh, like I, people love it and hate it at the same time. I think so people it's have a hazy of, memory of it. I'm not sure how many people have watched it recently. It mm-hmm. plays real weird now. Just again, it's it, all over it, the place. T- totally, it's all. Over it's the engaging. Map. It's fun to watch, but it's weird. So yeah, and like I said, it was such a hit. Like I just sort of wandered in yeah. and saw it multiple times. What do we got? Here is a letter from Daniel. Hello, Hi. Daniel. Hi, Daniel. We um, have a lot of Daniels. Uh, yeah, and this is uh, we had. This is one of our several Daniels. <laughs> Uh, hi, Bibbs and Whitney. I, I'm almost completely caught up on the podcast, and I have to say, I really love it. I'm glad Thank to hear you. that other people remember The Incredible Crash Dummies and Journeyman. Wow. I've heard you guys mention Rick Overton many times and was wondering if you knew about a Cancel Too Soon series it was in called The Secret Adventures of Jules Verne. It was a oh, Canadian that. series yeah. that revolved around a young Jules Verne teeing up with a real-life Phileas Fogg, who is a British secret agent, his cousin, Rebecca Fogg, and Phileas Manservice Passportou to fight the evil League of Darkness. It aired on the Sci-Fi Channel in the U.S. and ran alongside a show that was created by a guy I've also heard you guys mention on the show. That show was Black Scorpion. Ah. It was a campy superhero show featuring a scantily clad heroine battling campy and over-the-top villains played by the likes of Frank Gorshin, Adam West, and Soupy Sales. I actually really want to get to Black Scorpion. Black Scorpion I was- have... 
I have seen every episode of Black Scorpion because it was put out by New Horizon, uh, which mm. was uh, Roger Corman's company, and I was ah. interning for them at the time. Nice. And they asked me to like review the DVDs to make sure there weren't like glitches in them. So yeah. I did get to watch every episode of Black Scorpion. Yeah, that was at one where one they. Point. There's a couple of shows like that around that era where they released movies. Mm. But the movies were mostly just two episodes of the show together, so we weren't yeah, 100% yeah. sure. Well, in fact, he says the show was based on two Roger Corman movies mm-hmm. that uh, he was also the executive producer on. Uh, Black Scorpion played it played into its camp and silliness, and I loved it for that. These shows ran back-to-back in time slots on the Sci-Fi Channel. While I remember enjoying both as a kid, the only one that really holds up now the way is Black Scorpion. Maybe you guys could cover these shows sometime down the line. Maybe we'll do them back-to-back. That would be fun. I love Joan Severance, and I think she was in... Was she only in, like, one of the movies, or was she in, like, the show as well? Uh, I think she was in the... No, no, they changed actress, actresses for the show. Oh, okay. And... Uh, P.S. Someone suggested a show featuring truckers as modern-day descendants of the Knights Templar, and I recently read an awesome book by R.S. Belcher with the same premise called oh Brotherhood of the Wheel. Oh, my God. <laughs> P.P.S. Mantis only ran for one season. I guess that's a hint. Well, hint, man- hint. well we, no, we, we've mentioned before that there was some debate about how whether Mantis was one season or two. Yeah. Uh, we've decided Mantis is one season, but we just did like a whole month of superhero shows, so we're, we're taking we're gonna, a bit of a break. We're going to cool it for the time being. But because yeah. because there aren't as many superhero shows as that only lasted one season as you might think, so if we did like a whole bunch in a year, we'd be out. So mm-hmm. we're going to space them out a little bit. Yeah, here's here's a letter from Scott, and it, it's essentially just a list of suggestions, but I'd cool. like to read them all. Let's do it. Um, Scott says, maybe in celebration of the disaster artist, you guys could do Tommy Wiseau's only other real project, The Neighbors. I'm not sure uh, if it even got canceled for the first season or if Tommy just got distracted by something shiny. I've tried The Neighbors. I've heard the, the, the legends. Na- the Neighbors is... You cannot watch the neighbors. It's it's like rubbing onions on the underside of your thighs. You know, it's just so awful. It's painful and difficult and yeah. strange and bad. And and it's every everything the everything the room is. But like, and you're still not sure whether or not Tommy Wiseau is doing this on purpose or if that's what he think drama is supposed to look look like. Um, uh, yeah. Speaking of creepy writer directors uh, with little scene streaming TV shows, you could also do Woody Allen's Crisis in Six Scenes. We're not doing that. We're not doing that one. Uh, <laughs> We're not. No, thank you. Right. Not right now. <laughs> not with no. Not with the climate the way it no, is right no, now. I just. Um, I, I have no interest, and I can't. I just can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know it's historical uh, 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 novelty, at least. But no, I can't bring myself to look uh, at okay. it. Yeah. A personal favorite. I'd love to hear do you discuss Mike, Mike Nesmith's television parts featuring some of the earliest appearances from Jerry Seinfeld, Gary Shandling, Jay Leno, and Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. Um, Mike Nesmith has an interesting career. Um, and he did, yeah, elephant parts and he did television parts. Okay. And uh, those were sort of t- two projects, like solo projects he did post monkeys that were these weird kind of uh, comedy uh, vignettes that he sort of put together. Okay. Some fun stuff in That's there. That's cool. Yeah, um, really and, of course, and of course, Mike Nesmith makes me think of the monkeys. Uh, that lasted two seasons, but you can't, so it doesn't qualify, but you could always do the new monkeys. We've talked about We've doing, talked the, new about doing the new monkeys. There's been a lot of talk <laughs> okay. about doing, okay, so in 1987. Yeah, they tried to revive the monkeys with a new band. Mm-hmm. Like it, new new it, kids. It, 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 it wasn't, wasn't like, it wasn't, they were playing young. Yeah, it wasn't Mickey Dolan's Davy Jones, Peter Tork and Mike Nesmith. It was nor was it people playing Mickey Jones. And it wasn't those yeah, characters. Yeah. It was all new people constructed in the same way, but the band was called New Monkeys, and it was going to be these sort of Bill and Ted type surfer dudes versions of the monkeys. I never who saw who just sort of sat around and riffed and joked around a lot. 
I, I've, I've seen a couple scenes because it's so difficult to find and you can find it like I think one music video on YouTube of the new monkeys yeah I, I it uh, looks terrible it doesn't sound good um, <laughs> but I'd love to track it down and find it yeah I, find, I, find I it and, and review it it's interesting because like the monkeys were like there, re- there really was like a big resurgence for the monkeys in the 80s like they were big big hits in the 60s, I guess it was when they... 66. 66. Yeah, same time as, like, Star Trek and the Avengers but and then Batman. They, but then they were just huge in reruns in, like, mm-hmm. the mid-80s. Like, they were just airing them on, like, Nickelodeon or one, yeah, one yeah, of those. Yeah. And they were just... You loved them. You uh-huh. had to love them. So, like, they were just, like, a whole new generation of discovering them. And they're like, great, let's screw it up. And then they brought in the new monkeys. <laughs> uh, here's a letter from Hayden. Hello. Hello, Hayden. Uh, hello. Very recently, I was listening to the My Mother the Car episode, well, again, and I got this okay. flashback to the third grade in the third grade my teacher uh, read us a book about a sentient car who was a mother and her son took care of her the catch was the son didn't know that the car was alive i vaguely remember the son eventually leaving his mother slash car and now she has to live on her own i guess the moral of the story was to learn how to let go in my opinion, that might be a little bit heavy if my memory serves correctly. I distinctly remember the car being a light blue convertible, and the car had a pet cat. I haven't been able to find the book. Any clues? No ideas. <laughs> None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I am fascinated, though, and if anyone knows what the heck that is, yeah, uh, yeah. please let us know. We'll read it on the air. That'd be really interesting mm-hmm. to know. Um, this one comes from Troy. Hi, Troy. Uh, hey, guys. Love the podcast. I think ah. it's a fantastic idea. Thank oh, you. Well, we've been running with it, so I hope so. Uh, <laughs> done it for almost 100 episodes. <laughs> I'd love to suggest a show and offer myself as a guest on the episode because I run a television news site called The Pop Culture Principle. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite one-season wonders is Brimstone. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it would we do. be cool. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we actually we have a copy of Brimstone. Yeah, actually. It's, it's I over, it over there ago. on the shelf. So, I yeah, love Brimstone when it came out. Brimstone Zone's actually kind of an interesting series because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a spinoff of Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight in that uh-huh. it was done by the same writers and used the same mythology but totally did its own new thing other than that. Mm. Um, and you and I love Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. That's yeah. a really cool movie. Um, <laughs> We're the only ones. So we, Brim- we did a commentary track for it. But yeah, Brimstone was a cool idea. Brimstone was about a bounty hunter from hell who was uh, assigned to bring back escaped convicts from hell. Mm. Who had been in hell for so long that they were like imbued with magical energy and now they were like super powered. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like and, everything about that's cool. And John Glover played the devil. Well, he also he also played God, if I recall. The, but, I uh, don't remember him playing God, but yeah. Yeah, he played the devil, and that's and John Glover is, is it's so great. great. John yeah. Glover is so he played. Uh, if you know, you know John Glover, he was in. Uh, he played the Donald Trump character in Gremlins Two, like yeah. the sort of really enthusiastic. Well, he was a billionaire. He was Lex Luthor's father in Smallville. He was just okay. a really great villain character. Yeah. Um, and um, he he played the uh, the owner of or the the head of the asylum and in the mouth of madness. That's true. He played the Floronic Man in Batman and Robin. <laughs> He's never called the Floronic Man, but and, that's and, the name, and that's he played character. identical twin brothers in a really great uh, queer indie film called Love, Valor, Compassion. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a really cool. really terrific movie. Um, when it comes to stuff like Brimstone, listen, there's so many shows that we really want to do, and honestly, it takes a lot of discipline not to just do them all in a row. <laughs> like, I would love to just do nothing but the show 
shows I already know I fucking love. Um, but, <laughs> or, or just the really weird crap that we want to explore. But we're trying to, but we're trying to spread it out. We're trying to take as many suggestions as possible. We're trying to help people discover new things that even we've never heard of. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it, it takes a bit of discipline. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we'll get to Brimstone eventually. I don't know if we're going to need a guest for it, but thank you for the offer. Appreciate it. Mm. <laughs> uh, here's a letter from Yael. Hello, Yael. Hello. Hey, guys. I'm a longtime listener, and I just have to say I absolutely love your podcast. Aww. Oh, thank you. I started listening a while back, and your show quickly became one of my favorite shows to listen to, either on my way to work, walking the dogs, or just because. Uh, uh, making midnight margaritas. Uh, as, as you might have inferred from the subject li- uh, line of my email, I live in Puerto Rico. It's oh. hello from Puerto Rico. Hello. And after the passing of Hurricane Maria, yeah. you can imagine I've had a lot of free time on my hands. But oh. sadly, without power and limited internet, I wasn't able to listen to your show. After weeks, the... Uh, after weeks, the office I work at was able to open, and crappy internet aside, I was able to finally download your podcast once more. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad we could survive Hurricane Maria. We're glad you survived yeah, Hurricane glad you survived. Maria. Hope, hope you're doing okay, and I hope yeah. your power comes back on. Yeah, Jesus um, Christ. Not that we're doing a whole lot. Um, I have to. Uh, there, no, Puerto Rico <laughs> needs our help. Yeah, which we um, can do more. Uh, and and you can donate. There's a lot of charities you can do to to help or uh, service organizations. Yeah, if, anyway, you're, if you're listening, uh, it's, it's a good season for giving. It, it, anything you can mm-hmm. right now, they really need it over there. Yeah, I, I have to say that thanks to you guys, I was able to return to a small sense of normalcy. And you have no idea how much I appreciate your guys' podcast during these times of hardship. I have to say, I have to say, your Defenders of Dinatron City was just spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney's quick thinking when coming up with names of superheroes was frankly amazing, and that is something definitely something I definitely cannot do. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a talent that gets me nothing. <laughs> uh, I've been meaning to write this email for some time now, but as you can guess, the aftermath of a disaster like Maria was, life has a way of getting in the way. Yeah, you know, I, I you're, have, you're fine. We're gonna, let the, we're gonna let you slide on. I'm that. just a working stiff. Hurricane Maria's life getting in the way writ large um after listening to recent shows i just felt we uh the need to say an honest and heartfelt thank you for the sense of normalcy you gave me the many laughs you've given me in the past and many more i know you will give me in the future thank you keep up the good work okay i'm actually i'm actually trying not to cry thank you so much Uh, you know (laughs) there's so much going on there's so many horrible things going on well, the, the world the world is on fire here in southern california quite literally yeah we, so, we were only um, a couple of miles away from that huge blaze everyone saw on the news mm-hmm. we were there was a chance we might have had to evacuate we lucked there, out and we didn't have to but like a lot of people we know did in, in northern santa monica there was yeah. there was ash raining from the sky like yeah. it was covering cars and no, stuff. it's horrifying um listen there's there's horrible things going on everywhere right now um i don't know what to do at the time. So, um, you know, if we well, can well, help well, and make people just a little happier, that'd be great. I'll, I'll take that. But like, you know, just and you know, crappy forgotten TV is a great salve in most situations. Yeah, it's it's so, it's pretty harmless for the most part. So, <laughs> I'm glad we can help. I'm glad you're okay. And um, thank you, thank you for taking the time to write in. That meant a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm glad. Yeah, we can help in such a significant way. Uh, yeah. Here's a letter from Josh. Uh, hey, guys. Hello. Hope you enjoy the copy of Conviction, the Dick Wolf version that I sent you during we, Thanksgiving weekend. We got it. We have it. It's. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. It's on top of that pile there, up at the very top. And we will Right talk next more- to Law & Order Los Angeles. <laughs> we will talk more about that pile at the end of the episode, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, 
when I saw this on your wish list, I had to send it over as this show has been one of my go-to television season misfires. Uh, while I know you guys got have a schedule and a lot of other stuff to wave, wade through, I'm sure you'll get to it soon enough. That's true of the other like 60 shows we, on that We show. have a ton of shows yeah. that have been donated. We're right. sorry we're not getting through all of them as fast as we can. No, we're, 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 we can only do we're, one a week. We're knuckling under. But we can only yeah. do one a week. Um, my question relates to something outside the usual purview of Cancel Too Soon, and that's Season 2 or post-Season 1 retoolings. I'll give you an example of how that worked, such as Halt and Catch Fire, which moved away from the Mad Men in the 80s take with computers to focus more on Mackenzie Davis and Carrie Bish... Carrie Bish's characters as two women in the tech industry. That change-up did wonders for the show and allowed it to continue in a new direction for another three seasons. An example where it killed a show was when in the 2003 reboot of Dragnet with Ed O'Neill and Ethan Embry, which went from a two-person buddy cop show to L.A. Dragnet, in which Ed O'Neill's Joe Friday is suddenly running a squad of hot cops, hot in the network's eyes, mm-hmm. and Friday is working behind a desk. Obviously, the shows evolve over time, but I'm curious if you had any examples of change-ups that you liked or disliked for any shows beyond the first season. Um, that's it for me. I'm sure I'll have other questions that come to mind in the weeks to come. Also, thank you for keeping the episodes on topic and the discussion on point. Too often, podcasts who say they're going to discuss a specific topic end up being bogged down with shrill screeds, oversharing, or just plain god-awful riffing. Keep <laughs> up the great work, and I'll be continuing to, to explore the back catalog. Oh, oh we do Josh. god-awful riffing. We did a whole bit on microfiche at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> um, well, we, we do try to keep on topic. That's what makes us a good podcast. <laughs> uh, um, better than the rest. There's this, there's this As, tendency, regarding your question, there's this ooh. tendency for people to think that a show has to be great from the beginning mm. um, and a lot of the best shows ever made got really great over a little bit of time mm. first season or two of the X-Files aren't great some good stuff in them they're, they're intri- but they found its stride later well they're they, a, a good show will start intriguing enough to keep you watching sure. and then you know once you're sort of maybe not invested but interested they'll start f- finding where they want the show to go and it will become more interesting or sometimes less interesting mm. um as for like retooling a show, uh, we actually covered one that it really stands out in my memory: uh, the Muppets. Mm. They started the Muppets. This is the 2011 TV series. W- uh, really kind of cynical. They tried to make it more like The Office, where all the characters were really kind of depressed and hated each other, and that was so antithetical to what the Muppets have always been, which is really yeah. kind of warm, if not a little bit strange. And not only and was it antithetical, it just plain didn't work. It all, yeah, it also wasn't funny. And then, during that show, they actually changed showrunners partway through. They changed the premise of the show a little bit. They started involving the Muppet characters a little bit more. They kind of liked each other a little bit more, and well, the show became a lot better well, what in happened? like its last four episodes. And they did it pretty organically, too which I like because the idea was that the Muppets were, you know, they were optimistic, wonderful characters who were stuck in a cynical industry and they had let that cynicism get to them. And then by the time they changed showrunners, the new arc of the show was how do we get back to the way things should be? And how do we make this more like the Muppets as sort of an organic story arc? Um, and it was a little too late, unfortunately. I think a lot of people had already dropped yeah, it, the show. It, it was it already was, it was going to fail at that point anyway. The, but yeah. A really good example of this I think of is actually uh, Dollhouse, um, mm. which was a weird premise to begin with, and they totally screwed it up in the first season. The premise of Dollhouse, which is fucking gross if you think about it, um, is that there are people who have had their minds sort of turned into blank slates, and then they are programmed with other personalities in order to do various jobs. A lot of what it's they like do a, is... Is it like a spy show? or Sometimes it's a spy show. Right. Sometimes they're just prostitutes. 
It's actually okay. like it's actually really weird and 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 bizarre. But the idea is that the protagonist was one of these blank slate characters played by Eliza Dushku, mm-hmm. uh, and when your protagonist has her memory erased at the end of every episode, there's not a lot to latch on to. Yeah, and so in the second season, they finally had it so that she had this. A weird evolution in her brain where she could be programmed but also keep her personality oh, and so there was actually do, do a that from day one exactly. gonna say yeah it made no fucking sense so like it's it's it was a weird premise to begin with but they robbed it of the only thing that could make you want to watch next week mm-hmm. um there were other good supporting cast members but if, yeah it, if they had staged it as like experiment. an anthology series just with the same cast every week that would be kind of different they kind of yeah. did and they kind of didn't and even so it just it didn't work there was a mm-hmm. main character who just couldn't change and I mean not like in a meaningful way and mm. that gets old real fast <laughs> uh, one more letter sure okay uh, this one comes from Dusty hi, hi Dusty, Dusty. Uh, the, the title is first time listener first time caller okay First time listener, first time caller. Um, hey, Bibbs and Winnie. Uh, just got done binging your podcast after being recommended a few weeks ago. Now I'm sad that I have to wait a week for more seasons. Ah. Uh, I've noticed Whitney has issues with Lost in Space shows such as Voyager and Earth 2. You never mentioned that, in my opinion, the... The best Lost in Space show, Stargate Universe. Ah. Uh, Cancel too soon, but not enough to qualify for your show. I actually did see one episode of Stargate Universe, and yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, I could never quite get into the Stargate TV show. I don't know why... It seems a, li- a, a little too convoluted, or I, I don't know what it was. I think it just wasn't a particularly. And, uh, and I think there are, there's three. There's Stargate SG One. There's Stargate Atlantis, and I think Stargate Universe. And I think those are the only three. I don't think there were other Stargate TV prob- series. I don't care. They're I know there were like TV movies there as well. There were eighty but, yeah. million Stargates. There's, each one of them gets its own show. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's a, a vast universe that we haven't touched on. So. And anything that happens to the ship and its crew reverberates throughout that series, and it's constantly addressing its lack of supplies in every episode. That That's mm. my beef with a lot of these Lost in Space shows, is we we never hear the actual practicality of what it's like to be lost in space. Mm. It's like, what happens when you don't have enough food? And like they address it in one episode, and that's it. Like That's supposed to take care of it for the rest of the episode. Well, where do they get the food? Oh, they have a hydroponics bay. Like, well, that takes a lot of care. You have to, like, rejigger everything about the ship now uh-huh. to have people look after these plants because they, that's your food supply. The, the, the show that dealt with that was Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. They okay. really dealt with that. Like, that was super important. Mm. Yeah. Like, they made uh, it work. Anyway, he c- continues on. One of the Finally. best scenes in this uh, is a, one of the best scenes in this show is a serious discussion between two characters. And during that scene, the commander is sewing the holes shut in his socks. There you go. (laughs) You don't have new socks. You got to sew them shut. I think SGU deserves to be mentioned when talking about Lost in Space slash Lost at Sea type shows. My question is, what fake TV show do you wish you could review? Like a show within a show or movie, like Night Boat Boat from The Simpsons or Tool Time from Home Improvement. Oh, God. Hypnotoad doesn't qualify. (laughs) Suggestions. Galaxy High School. For the the longest time, I thought this cartoon was a fever dream or my parents were lacing my Apple Jacks with LSD. A six-foot-tall purple chicken named Beef, an anthropomorphic rotten egg, and a gloriously <laughs> rotten egg. You heard me right. And a gloriously annoying opening score. It deserves your attention. I've asked around, and nobody seems to remember this show. Yet it seems like a proto Futurama. Uh, Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Weird yet engaging. <laughs> the name is exactly what the plot is. I've seen Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, and both shows only lasted a dozen or so episodes, and are av- all available on YouTube. Um, 
as for fake TV shows, oh golly, um, all my circuits for going to go to the Futurama. Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Although that lasted way more than one season, so that, that's true. That, that doesn't work. Um, oh, what was I just? Thinking? What What happened from a Mighty Wind? I want to I want to review the I'll Buy That for a Dollar show from RoboCop. I want to know what the rest of that show was like. <laughs> yeah, well, was that a, a game show, a talk show? I, wasn't I think exactly it was a sure. shitty sitcom. Like, there, okay. was like a, there was like the catchphrase on a sitcom. Mm. I don't know, though. <laughs> I really don't know. It looked, it looked like a terrible um, Benny Hill, kind of American Benny Hill knockoff. I also want to see um, 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 the Invader Zim, <coughs> like, Mysterious Mysteries show. They did one episode that was like this sort of unsolved mysteries program mm. from within Invader Zim, but I want to see the whole thing. <laughs> um, I, I think, was it Duck Tective in Gravity Falls? Oh, I, I haven't seen Gravity Falls. Oh, Gravity now. Falls is amazing. You've got to see Gravity Falls. It's so damn good. Yeah, I would love to do Gravity Falls. Uh, uh, I think it was Detective. That was a really good one. Um, there's plenty of others. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs was one of those Saturday morning cartoons when I was like still watching a lot of Saturday morning cartoons, even though I was probably far too old to be doing so. Like I was in late high school, early college. So I remember seeing a couple episodes of that and remembering it being kind of amusing. It was based mm. on a, a comic book, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, it took place in sort of this alternate future universe where everybody drove Cadillacs, but there were also T-Rexes around and stuff, like intelligent talking Tyrannosaurs around as well. Um I ran, oh. I ran back to back with stuff like Project Geeker. You know, these shows that nobody remembers but me. I've got it. I know the show. I know the show we need to review. It's uh, a reality show, but it's a good one. Okay. The Vortex. The Vortex? From Step Up All In. <laughs> Hell yeah, The Vortex. <laughs> oh, who wouldn't want to watch that? It's a TV show with only three fucking episodes. I don't know how that works. It's so bad. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for uh, Step Up High Water? No. It's the new YouTube Red Step Up series. Oh, that's right. That's it's so good. It's like it's, it's actually coming out now. It's coming out I heard the they were January. Working, oh, I heard they're working on it. I hope we don't have to review it on this show. <laughs> I, I hope, hope it does so well. I hope it continues indefinitely. Oh, Invitation to Love from Twin Peaks. <laughs> that would be one. Mm. The fake soap opera within the fake soap opera of Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Or anything on UHF. Uh, anything from the movie UHF. Any, yeah. Wheel of Fish. <laughs> I would review the shit out of Wheel of Fish. Mm. That'd be great. All right. I want to see whatever show that they were going to get, which had the guy who could swallow his own face. <laughs> like, I'm not sure what show they were going to put that on. It's like, I got a call from a guy who said he could swallow his own face. Like, okay, we'll find a show for that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, listen, that's that's it for this week. Uh, you can email us at canceltoosoon at gmail.com. It's canceled with one L. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at cancelcast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, and again, uh, keep keep uh, keep track of this channel because we got a very special, very stupid Christmas episode coming for you in the next <laughs> 24, 48 hours. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a review of the Heath Ledger series, Roar. Uh, we will also be back next week with our Cancel Tuesday monthly movie. Again, can't do a Christmas thing, so it's just going to fucking review Killdozer. Why not? <laughs> and then next month, uh, as an incentive for everybody who joined us on Patreon... Every single episode next month, in the month of January, mm. will be the result of a Patreon poll. Yeah. Uh, you have to be on Patreon in order to, to uh, uh, vote, but everyone's going to get a vote. And we have a whole bunch of really cool donated shows that we're going to have you uh, pick from. Uh, we have a whole bunch of really cool lawyer shows, a whole bunch of really cool uh, like horror series. 
weird private detective shows, uh, scary shows about how like the internet is frightening and going to kill us all. <laughs> like it's a whole bunch of really cool stuff, and, and we're going to do a whole bunch of sitcoms too. Mm. So if you want to go to patreon.com slash cancel too soon, the small tier five dollars a month gets you uh, a vote to help decide what episode we review, uh, what show we review every single month, and in January every week. Uh, and uh, you also get the cancel too soon monthly movie, Killdozer. Enjoy. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> so, everybody, thank you so much. Um, and, um, you know, again, we have the Christmas episode coming, but if you don't listen to that or you're too busy uh, with your family or, or such, have a happy holiday. Happy holiday. Have a happy vacation. I hope you have a couple of days off, at least. If you don't celebrate mm. Christmas, it, it, enjoy the weekend. Mm. Um and um, thank you, everybody, once again, for listening. We think you're all really, really fabulous, and you make us want to do this, even though it gets, it gets harder every week. <laughs> but, with the, but with the legislation going through the, the, the government right now, we're, it's we're, like... We're, we're, we're scrabbling over the, the, the dumpster fire that is the world right now to give you garbage TV, and, and I, that's that's our job. And, it, that's, and we enjoy doing it because you are wonderful, warm, and incredibly attractive people. And, and, and honestly, like after like the, the tax bill, that that that's going through right now. I mean, it's, we're we're basically going to be losing money on this. <laughs> like, there's no way we'll ever make a profit off yeah. of it now. But so that's fun. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening, uh, and that's a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. <laughs>